Hey there, I'm Graham, and you're listening to the Sales Nerds Live podcast. You did have a bunch of different careers. What led to some of those changes from support to RevOps to account management? I am so thankful that I had this team of people around me that believed in me and like wanted to keep progressing my career. I don't know that I would have like necessarily opted into all those things. And I think those pushes were really critical for me. On today's episode of Sales Nerds Live, host Graham Collins welcomes Liz Christo, a partner at Stage 2 Capital. The two discuss how to learn negotiation skills to advocate for yourself, steps for building your personal brand, tips to grow your professional network, and how to seek out opportunities for growth and advancement. Let's dive in. We're talking about Women's History Month. This is just sort of the interesting thing I was thinking about as we were describing it. Somebody who was calling me up and saying like, hey, I feel like I'm selling myself short that like I should be going and taking the next role, but I'm trying to start a family. And she, she was actually waffling through all these different thought processes. And I felt like my reassurance to her was, you always have the opportunity to do that. And if like you're throwing your life through upheaval, it's okay to say like, I am going to take a year or two to do this thing I know how to do and go find the next thing when I feel like I'm better poised to do it. Sales Nerds Live is brought to you by your friends at Quotapath. Quotapath removes the manual lift out of sales commissions by automating the compensation process. We calculate and track your team's commissions, prepare them for payouts, and even give your reps the ability to forecast attainment and future earnings. We're the only solution loved by reps, leadership, and finance. Come nerd out with us on Sales Nerds Live. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I believe that we are live. Um... Welcome to today's episode of Sales Nerds Live. Um, as always, I'm Graham Collins, Photopath's Chief of Staff and Resident Sales Nerd, and currently acting as our Interim VP of Sales, um, though I have been telling people I haven't put that on my LinkedIn yet because I'm not ready for the deluge of, of pitches from, from various people. Um, okay, smart. Keep it off LinkedIn. Exactly. Um, so since 1987, March has marked Women's History Month, and this month is set aside to honor women's contributions in American history. And so for... Women's History Month today, it's my pleasure to have on one of the smartest and most talented women I know, Liz Christo, who is a partner at Stage 2 Capital, to share her career journey from sports specialist to investor and advisor. Welcome, Liz. Great to have you. Thank you. Um, I got to tell you, I haven't done one of these before, and it's like a little disconcerting to be live but not be able to see the other folks. I'm used to the Zoom meeting where you like see people. I know. It is strange. It is strange. And we... Uh, we, I always look back afterwards and there are like a bunch yeah. of comments and questions and stuff. And I'm like, oh shoot, I should probably have that up, but I can't focus on that many things at once. Can't so do all those things. No, apologies if folks have questions, please feel free to follow up with us afterwards if you have uh, additional questions. But, um, but well, well, we have Liz on we here. We have Liz on and, here. And Liz, I'd love Liz, to hear, I'd love a, little to hear a little bit about, about your career, your career and, and your career trajectory. trajectory. Like I said, you started a, as a support specialist and, and have moved into yeah. the, the VC world. So can you just give me a quick overview of your career? The 30,000 foot view. Um, yes. So I, uh, coming out of college, was trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. And uh, I ended up joining a really small startup in Boston as a support specialist, which was basically the only entry-level role they had. And when I joined, we were actually pretty promptly acquired by a large public company, NetSuite, although I guess it wasn't really large at the time. I think I joined a you know 40-person company and got acquired by a 400-person company. And it was kind of funny because I think early on, I had this moment of like, oh, I really want to work at a big company, like so intentionally chose a startup for the experience. And then I ended up staying there for better part of a decade. I was about eight years, um, which, you know, looking back were some like my fondest memories, a lot of really interesting stuff I got to work on there. 
the path for me, um, support was where I started. I got to know like in-depth product. I was on the phone for like many hours every day. And I think that was sort of like the first foray I had into sales, even though it wasn't sales, but I talk about that first job on the phone as being like learning how to communicate, getting a lot of customer facing experience. Um, and then over time, you know, things shifted. I moved into sales operations. Um, I went from there into account management. And we can certainly talk can more, certainly about, talk the more about the shifts and why those happened. happened. But, uh, but uh, my one year one anniversary, year anniversary account management, management, I ended up shifting, I ended up shifting into a leadership role and inside sales. So it was building so out EDR and global function. function. And then over, and then time, over time, kind of brought on some brought other things, other things under my purview there, recruiting, a solution consulting group. And at the end of 2015, I kind of had this realization of like, wow, I work at a really big public company now. And it was kind of like not my intent. And I got amazing experience, but I didn't feel like I was learning. And I was went out to try to figure out what I could go do next. And, you know, where could I step function my learning and do the next thing? And that became venture. Um, joined OpenView Venture Partners, spent about six years there. And we can dig into that path and journey. But that was first on the operating side and then moving over to the investing side. And then at a stage two capital where I am now, uh, I'm a partner. We work in a pod model. I invest in B2B software companies. Quota path, quota being path one of them. being one of them. And, and, and it has been a wild ride. Wild ride. I, I, I kind of laugh about this as I reflect on it. You know, I, you know, I, I ran a BDR team at a software company. A very large, very large one, a couple hundred people. And I think about what my job is today in VC, and I am a BDR. I source, I find companies. I reach out cold. I try to get a CEO on the phone to talk to me. And then my job is qualification. And the weird part is at the end of that, instead of like, well, I guess they are buying, but uh, basically they're buying my check and I get to write a check at the end of it. But it's the same enterprise sales process, just a slightly different take on it. Take on it. Yeah. So that's a quick yeah. version. So that's a quick version. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, that's no, that's great. great. And, that's great. And, and a few and things, a few I'm, things you I've mentioned, I'm going to mention, I'm going to dig into throughout the time. One that, one that, Really stood really out to me. Stood out to me is the about learning, about and learning and feeling like feeling you like weren't you learning weren't learning. And, and, and I've been in that situation, and every time I've made a career jump, that has been the the major driving force behind it. Is like I'm not learning anything new. I'm just going through the motions, or like I feel like I've I've hit my you know ten thousand hours or whatever. If you if you yeah. that whole concept. Um, and I, I don't feel like I'm learning anything else. So. Um, Interesting to hear you say that as well. Um, well, so and I will are... say one thing on that though, because I feel like I I push people on that, and that has also been my career journey. But I also think there are really good reasons to stay in a role where you have mastery, and there are different like inflection points in our own lives that make that actually like the comfort of knowing that is like a good thing to have for periods of time. So, like I think while I will lean into this, like I was pushing myself to go learn something new and do something new and like challenge myself. I also think there I also are really think good there are really good reasons, reasons for somebody to be like, like, hey, I've got like complete mastery in my role. I know how to do it. I know how to control the time, control the time right now. Like, right that's what I that's want for this next for two years. Two years. So I don't want that. So I don't want that to be all and be all and all. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons to stick with something. Stick with something. You know. Yeah, for sure. No, I totally agree. And that is a learning in and of itself. Is being in a role for a period. Yeah, are very are very good. You're learning. You're learning what it's like to be in a role where you're very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I tend to, tend to, as you 
No, bounce no, around, bounce rolls, around, rolls, uh, uh, companies, stay with companies, bounce around, and bounce around, and roll. Yes, our sales team now, sales team now, I ran our marketing team historically, and rev ops, and rev ops, and all kinds of things. So, so I got a call. I got a call from a woman. It's sort of interesting thing I was thinking about somebody who is somebody who is calling me up and saying, "Hey, I feel like I'm telling myself, telling myself, like I should be going, I should be going and role, but I'm trying to start a family." And she was like waffling through all these different thoughts, and I felt like my to her was you always have the opportunity to do that and if like you're throwing your life through upheaval it's okay to say like i am going to take a year or two to do this thing i know how to do and go find the next thing when i feel like i'm better poised to do it and i i don't know i felt like what i heard from her was this pressure to go find the next thing and challenge herself and drive for it and there's plenty of people who want to do that but it's also okay to like give yourself a break and be like I'm, I'm like happy where i am for the moment and there are like many other things i could be optimizing for so I know we'll just share that story that I do think it's uh, not everyone's optimizing for the same things at the same time. For sure. And and I encounter this a lot when I talk to salespeople where in sales, in the sales world, it, it feels like everybody you talk to, okay, you know, what is what are your long-term goals? What are your long what is your long-term vision is to move into a leadership role? And when can like, I become oh, a manager? Yeah, I want to I want to manage a team or eventually become a, yeah. a director or VP. And like that's not for everyone. I like no. managing people. I like leading people because I get more satisfaction out of other people succeeding than myself. Mm -hmm. And and that's okay, but it <laughs> means that I've made less money than a lot of the people that I manage. Exactly. Um, it was like a lot of times money is the, the motivating factor and right. it is okay to be in a individual contributor role and be a top performer like there's yeah, a lot there's of a lot of satisfaction, satisfaction there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people who, who don't realize don't realize and, that. and are like why well, and are like well, management role, management role, fail at it or fail at it or miserable and then feel like they have to tuck their tail between their legs and go back to a role as a and that's that's really not really not the case similar to similar to what you're saying yeah yeah so you had said so that there you are, said that there are, you did have a bunch, you did have a bunch of different careers. Similarly, um, yeah. um, yeah. like, like, like I said, I tend to bounce around, bounce around different roles, roles within an organization. What led to some of those changes from support, from support to, to yeah. rev ops, rev ops, to account, to management. account management? Yeah, at yeah, NetSuite, at NetSuite, I, would I would say there were two things there. I think the first was I had a leadership around me who like very much invested in me, believed in my capabilities, and were like game to game to let me just try. Looking back, like it's sort of interesting to think about that, but I think they were like, look, you'll like put your all into something and you're probably going to get it to like 80, 90% and we can like massage the edges and you just have the energy to run out these new things. So like go. Yeah. Um, so that was one of them. And I think the other was just, I was good at the zero to 60, like get something off the ground and often without the actual like control aspect, like had influence, had relationships, was friendly with a lot of people, which led to, I think my ability to kind of get things going and rally a lot of people to start a new hard thing. And so like the themes between those from product, like support specialist to sales ops, to account management, to inside sales, a lot of belief, a lot of people coming to me and saying, hey, we want you to do this thing. And then there was an example of one of them. I think the um, the account management to, to BDR move was an interesting one where I was putting my hand up saying like, I do want to like figure out how to like expand what I'm working on. But in my head, I was like, I have this team I love. I really want to work on it. And I will, and I want to do this new thing. And I remember the talk with my boss and CEO who was like, Liz, like these are two big jobs. You can't do both. So like pick. 
And at that point I had picked to stay with my team. And then that decision got made for me of like, nah, you like made a pretty good case, go do the new one. Um, so I don't know, it's a mix of, of me putting my hand up and I think, you know, people kind of giving you some opportunities, but I'm so thankful that I had this team of people around me that believed in me and like wanted to keep progressing my career. Um, I don't know that I would have like necessarily opted into all those things. And I think those pushes were really critical for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's and, great. And one thing that one I thing remember, that I, remember I, I wanted to ask early on in my early career, on in my career through acquisition. acquisition. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I, but I was working, was as, an working as a contributor in sales. In sales. I, I, I'll tell you, I'm never going to be the number one seller on the floor. Uh, generally, I'm good at sales, but I'm much better yes. at leadership. And the there was a, a gentleman whose name is Apollo Atika, and who was a, an incredible product leader. And he and I had a conversation at one point because I was getting kind of burnt out in sales. And I was like, look, I'm, I'm looking for something new. I'd like to go to the product org. Um, mm-hmm. it was, he was pretty honest with me. And he was like, candidly, Graham, like, you got to be good at your job if you want to move to somewhere else. Like, you can't just be like, eh, right. I'm bored. I'm not very good at this. Let me move to somewhere else. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to want to hire you to a different organization if you're kind of half-assing it um, yeah. and, and being mediocre at your job. And it sounds like that's one of the, the you know, which leads me to my question that I'm kind of leading the witness here, but like, how were you able to move into those new roles? Yeah, um, I can kind of take them one by one. I think starting with the sales ops to account management one, um, I'll tell the full story because it's kind of a weird one. But look, I had been in sales operations for a year and a half or so. Um, and I was working on the subsidiary where I had to do all of the things. And so I was lead routing, I was SKU management, I was order management, I was closing the month, like we all the like many things that fall under a revenue operations function, reporting, offsites, everything. Um, and I think one of the things that really like got into my head was I was signing off on these commission checks for people making so much money at the time. And I'm sitting there being like, wait, like I'm like doing a lot of this work. I'm like helping these things get through the process. I'm running our forecast calls. I'm in every deal. I used to jump on the phone like late at night with our team in Australia and help like negotiate legal contracts because I was like the only person willing to do it at midnight. Um, And I had this moment of just like, man, like am I selling myself short? And so I remember putting my hand up and saying like, I want to move into sales. And it's funny the my leader at the time uh, came back to me and was like, Hey, like, how about management? Like all the things you like doing and are good at, like you should move into sales management. So he literally took a bet on me as I've never sold anything and I never managed anyone and was like, yeah, like try running that team. And it was a really odd moment because I went from um, a group of people that I had known for a long time to being sort of like their peer and support person to their manager. And that transition was not easy. And I give all of them a ton of credit in retrospect of just like, what an odd thing that probably was for them. But I think the thing that really worked there is like, I was an expert in the things that I knew. And I could add a lot of value to to their sales processes, both through like internal functions, through influence of how to get to other people, through like the actual product knowledge and helping them like with their customer conversations. And then I was like willing to learn every else, everything else. And I was never shy. And I asked a lot of questions. And we actually ended the year as the top performing team in the company. And I remember getting a call and being like, hey, you hired a lot of people that weren't salespeople. Like, how did you do this? And 
the, the answer to me was like so simple. It was like, well, we like taught them the product. And at the time, like no one else in, who was selling knew the product. They were relying on sales engineers and pulling other people in. And I think that to me was like this critical awareness moment for me of like figuring out what the, I don't know, it's probably not a hack, but like what are the most important things that are going to like level you up in whatever the role is. And, you know, that was one of them. There were a bunch of other things we did with that team, but a lot of it came back to like systems and process and actually like just creating continuity between how people were doing things and learning from each other. And our team meetings became this just like war room of like, let's figure out how to do the thing instead of a lot of like one-on-ones and me trying to kind of move between folks. Um, I actually don't know if that answered your question, Graham. That was kind of- No, no, that's good. No, it's it's interesting. And the thing that that I found fascinating there as well is like hiring folks who don't come from a sales background. And I, I hired a lot of uh, SDRs at my pre in my previous role, I ran a, an SDR team as well, not nearly as large as Liz's. Mine was about uh, forty people. Um, but hiring a lot of folks there, I found a lot of success hiring former teachers. I found a lot of success hiring like people who came from like wait staff. Um, you know, the, Service the certain, industry, a great one. Yeah. And and my number one thing that I wanted out of those people was curiosity and. <laughs> how curious are you? Like, what is your, and so uh, during interviews, I would ask people, just teach me something, teach me something I don't know. And the people who were the best were people who like, just dove in and started asking me questions about like, okay, well, what, what do you know? And then, and then them like teaching me something that they knew a lot about that they assumed that I didn't know a lot about because they were curious and they they, mm-hmm. they learned things. They they learned things not necessarily just because they had to for their job, but yeah. they learned things that that were bad because they were curious folks. Yeah. And then like that learning thread, I, I man, we just keep coming back to that. But I think that's the other career like transition point that I would share with you is when I decided to wrap up my time at NetSuite, I think one of the things I kept thinking about was how do I go learn something new? And I had spent the bulk of my career in like one organization with a great and impressive set of people. It was a rocket ship, but like, I didn't even really choose it. I got acquired into it. And so I kept thinking about like, what's the next step? And I was getting recruited really hard to go run another inside sales team at a large company because there were very few people at the time who had run outbound with like hundreds of people. Like that was just, it was still kind of new. Like we didn't have a ton of technology to do it. It's not today. Um, And I, I felt like, Hey, I could go do that. And I would like become a master at this thing. But I felt like I was going to go down a path of like getting stuck in that. And I, wasn't ready to do it again. Um, And so venture for me was this opportunity to go learn from like hundreds of experts. I don't know, maybe thousands. Like I had exposure to thousands of like amazing, creative, successful people who were, I don't know, like all in and trying to like do something cool and new. And then, you know, got to spend significant time with hundreds and got to go really deep with, you know, tens. And that to me was this like compelling moment where I felt like I could step function my learning and surround myself with people who are experts in other things and start to like learn the pattern pattern matching between them. So my jump to VC was all about that. It was like pretty selfishly my own learnings um, that I wanted to go advance. And then, you know, since then obviously has kind of become much more of a passion in a different way. But uh, the early step for me was just learning. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And, and that actually was my next question, which is what what inspired that move? Okay, we we've talked about the internal stuff, but then VC is a totally different world. 
um, and you know, what what inspired it. So that's that's interesting. And and I guess I say VC is a totally different world. Never having worked in VC, having worked with a lot of investors and worked yeah. with a lot of boards and and VC folks in VC, I feel like I've been exposed to it some, but. Is it truly as different as uh, as everybody says it is? I mean, earlier you were saying that you're essentially yeah, yes and no. I, but uh, you know, so I don't know how different it truly is. The process of of the like finding companies and trying to like sell yourself to them, I feel like is actually very similar to a sales process. And even like how we think about like planning and winning, like we we build account plans. Like we have win plans. We're thinking about what are the things we need to do to build this relationship, to build trust, who are the influencers? Like it's very similar. I think where it becomes really different is like not on the sourcing side and the day-to-day role of like actually working with a portfolio of companies. There's a couple things that I guess stand out to me that are different. Um, One, you don't like have a core team. Like you are part of a lot of other people's teams and in very different capacities and figuring out like what your role should be with them. It's not the same. It's not cookie cutter company to company. And it really depends on the relationships you've built and developed in those companies. Um, Sometimes it's just with the CEO. Sometimes it's with many people in the org. Sometimes you're on a like daily text cadence. Sometimes you're at like a quarterly board meeting. And so I think figuring out like the rhythm of your work and where to spend time is really important. And sometimes that's influenced by the company and sometimes that's influenced by kind of where you're trying to spend time and where you think you can like move the needle. Um, And then that's the second piece is like, ultimately the feedback loops on this job are really long. So Mm -hmm. you're making an investment and you're betting that you're right, but like you won't know for a long time. Like our investment horizon is like, let's call it seven to 10 years. And so you're making these decisions along the way. And yes, companies get marked up. You can see if someone's struggling, there are lots of like signals and indicators, but it's a long time to realize what the actual outcome is. That was probably the hardest change for me as someone who had a quota for over a decade. And like every month, you just like knew if you did it or not. This is like very different. Um, And then, yeah, I think like, obviously you have a team internally, but it's not where you spend the bulk of your time. You're with the companies and that, I don't know, it's just a, it's a very different working model. Um, for some, I think it's really, really fun. Like I love getting to plug in and work on different, on different and unique things. And like I said, learn something new. Yeah, that's great. I, I, there's that old adage about like every musician wants to be a a comedian or an actor and every actor wants to be a, a musician. And it feels like a lot of times that's the case for VC and an operator is like yeah. You know, talk to like oh I want to I want to be in the VC world and then a lot of people who I talk to in VC are like oh boy it's kind of nice having a quote a monthly quota <laughs> you know like knowing if I'm doing a good job or not yeah it's funny a lot of people reach out to me of like how I made the like jump and transition and like usually the word I get is like yeah I really want to work on strategy and I'm like oh man like that's part of it. And like the longer term thinking, but so much of the day to day is not, it's like really tactical things of thinking about like, how do we move the needle and move faster in just one of these areas? And, you know, like figuring out how to inject your ideas, but not like know and be aware you are not in the operating seat here. Like you ultimately are, of course, deferring to and relying on the judgment of this leadership team. And all you can do is kind of like, 
I don't know. I, I always think of it as like holding up a mirror. Actually, I think AJ described that once of like, hold up a mirror, reflect what you can back, share if things are working or not, what your observations are and like help where you can. Um, but yeah, this, the concept of like VC is just like this, you know, pie in the sky strategy thing is not, not a good analogy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm learning. I've learned that over time. Um, well, so you've talked a lot about surrounding yourself with really smart people and learning as much as you can from them. Um, in in the VC world, it sounds like you you were able to do that really easily. However, not everybody is in that. And so what advice would you give to folks who are looking to build their professional network and surround themselves with people that from whom they can learn? Yeah, you know, it's funny, I've thought about this a lot. And I think it what I was I was reflecting on, like my early network and who those people were, I think, there is like this insular network of people that you work with and figuring out first, like who your allies are, who you bounce ideas off of, who are the people that you can like have really honest conversations with and who will challenge you. And it's funny that group from like my first job has been like, everybody's gone on to do different things and build different experience. But I feel like we still do that for each other. So I have this just awareness that I was probably very lucky to like have a really tight knit group in that first company. Um, but the second thing is I think looking for like affinity groups, like what are you trying to learn or where are you trying to uplevel yourself and figuring out where they are? Um, I was actually part of like this group of female sales leaders that used to together, get together, I don't know, maybe once every other month in Boston, small group, all in Boston. There weren't many of us then. Um, and that, group has just been like amazing to come back to time and time again. Similarly, like I felt like I found this group um, through the AAISP, American Association of Inside Sales Professionals, when I was first like learning and like trying to figure out what this like lead gen program should look like for NetSuite. I went to a conference, I met a bunch of people. And then I don't know, I like reached out to them and asked for their time. And one of the things I took out of that was try to give more than you take, like, make sure you're actually doing something for the other person too, not just constantly like asking for favors, and then stuff comes back to you. And then the other thing that um, I would just give as advice to everybody is making sure you follow through. And I feel like so much of networking is like this great conversation that happens in person or on the phone. And then either you offer something and don't do it, you commit to an action and don't do it. And then like, it kind of just trails off and the continuity and like the continuous engagement, I think is what matters the most for building a relationship. So if you say you're going to do something like do it, if someone asks for help and you say, yes, like follow through on that. It's okay to ask for favors, follow up and make sure they actually like you take them up on it, that you close the loop when it's done, that you'd like thank them for whatever they've done for you. Um, Look, it's like hard, it takes time, but I think there is this like aspect of what you put in, you will get out and you do have to commit meaningful time to it. I don't know if you have a different take as you've like obviously built a very large network too, um, but those are the, some of the things that I feel like I, I do on repeat. Yeah, uh, the, the thing that really stood out to me that I am I try to be good about is the follow through. Um, yeah. is, and a lot of time the follow through is telling somebody you still haven't done something and you plan on doing it. Uh, yeah. Because like I use, I've struggled with uh, ADHD my entire life. And in high school and college, I had to create these coping mechanisms of like setting sets of reminders for myself. Mm -hmm. And so like I use the Slack slash remind me function all the time. Um, the fact that you can mark emails unread, now you can mark texts unread has been 
a game changer for me. Wait, I, have, I didn't even know that. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's amazing. Like I have six unread text messages. Can right you now. do it in LinkedIn? Them, but what's that? Can you do it in LinkedIn? Yeah. Oh, you can mark messages on Reddit and LinkedIn as well. And so like I read it, I process it and I mark it on Reddit if I need yeah. to, to, to do that. Exactly. But setting up that, that list of, of to do's essentially. Um, I also use a productivity journal where I like create lists yep. of goals, daily lists of goals today. Most important task of the day is sales nerds live. Uh, so here we are doing it. Check one. That off here very shortly. Um, and so, but, but so much of, of networking is, follow through and saying, yeah. saying you're going to do something is fine, but actually doing it is. And, and that's actually something I I'm very, uh, I've always been very impressed with you doing is like, uh, Liz and I met up for, for breakfast, uh, a couple of weeks back and like a couple of days before she sent me a text message saying like, Hey, are we still on for breakfast, yeah. this location, whatnot. And so having that, that good follow through and that good follow up is, incredibly important for for building those relationships. So one other thing on the follow through that I like I personally haven't solved. I don't have a very good memory. I'm just going to like go on record and so like one of the tools I've set up for myself is like tracking who I actually meet with and like what we talked about because what I find is like 2 months later somebody will like comment and be like I'm looking for an advisor to do X or I like want to meet somebody that does Y and like you rack your brain and you're like who is that person I talked to like and having that like log for me allows me to go back and then like make connections later. And I do think that act of connecting others is a really good give. And I think a lot of times I get asked for my time and if I can get somebody else to like plug in there, it's actually like way more beneficial to two parties and continues to build that network. Yeah, that's great. I, I first off, I'll, I'll make a plug for uh, a tool that I use, which is called Connect the Dots. Uh, it's I think it's ctd.ai. Um, I use this tool. Okay. It's super cool. It like goes through your email, your personal email, your work email, your LinkedIn, all of this stuff, and it actually like shows you how strong of a relationship you have with somebody. You can access it from your LinkedIn page or from somebody's LinkedIn. You click it, it shows like all of your email exchanges, all of the stuff. So it's very helpful. I wrote it person- down. Good, great. Uh, it's it's a cool tool. Um, I met the guy who who's founder uh, at Saster a couple of years ago, and I've been using it ever since. Um, Love that. Do you have a tool for like a personal CRM? I know that sounds silly, but I've I've always I've been on this. I've tried a bunch, and I yeah. I don't have one that I continuously use. Me either. And I'm like, yeah, this is what a Rolodex. It's, is. My, <laughs> it's my phone contacts. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That that, that makes sense. Um, awesome. Well, so we are coming up on a half hour here, Liz. I want to be respectful of your time. I have um, three questions that I ask everybody at the end of uh, Sales Nerds Live. Same three questions. Yeah. Well. Not exactly the same three. They they get slightly modified over time. But um, the first one is, what piece of advice would you give yourself on your first day of your career? If you'd go back in time. Take care of yourself first. Um, when I look back, I think I lost myself for a period of years. I put work first. I was working 17 and 18 hour days. I was traveling every weekend to get to where I needed to be for the next city. And I think I've done a like regrouping of taking care of my physical health, my mental health, my energy. I actually manage my day now based on like how I know I feel at different points. I have time blocks when I know that I can do better deep thinking in the morning. I say no to calls that are too late at night most of the time. Um, But I think this like concept of just like learn what works for you and then be a stickler for it. Like you can make exceptions, but 
you are like in charge of your own time and it's precious and you don't have a lot of it. So protect the time you need first because you'll show up way better for whatever work you're doing. Yeah, that's great. Um, Number two, if you weren't doing what you currently do, what would you be doing? Um, for, you know, if you, this, this question was originally, if you're not, if you weren't in sales, cause we had yeah. talking to sales leaders now. So I've, I've gotten quite a few different answers here and, and most of them are a little bit more fun, but I, I'd love to hear what your answer is. I'm curious if I know it's, what it is. It's like, yeah, it's going back to the service industry. If I think about like, you know, the part of my, it's so bad to say, cause I have such a fun and like interesting work life, but man, I love being a bartender. I love managing restaurants. Like I would totally go back and do something in food service. And, and there's a lot of different iterations that could take, but some version of like a coffee shop and morning spot. Nice. That's great. I, uh, my, yeah, wife, like- my wife and I are both really into uh craft beer and she worked, she's worked at a couple of different breweries and different beer bars. And people are always like, Oh, would you guys want to open a brewery? And I'm like, I see a brew and brew coming. No, absolutely not. I would not have any interest in owning a brewery. I'd love to work yeah. at a brewery. I'd love to do that, yep. but like, I'll make so have somebody else do all of the hard stuff, and I'll I'll do the pouring beer. That's so. If you're hiring, let me know. I'll, uh, I'll okay. Come. Updates to come. Um, and then finally, what are you watching, reading, and or listening to right now? Work related, not work related. I, I put okay, not work related. because I don't really read very much. I mostly just listen to podcasts. So all right. So like I am an avid reader, like multiple books per week, but it's like junk criminal fiction. So I'm oh. not gonna share that. Okay. Um cool. so I'm taking the other direction. Uh I'm watching Shrinking on Apple TV. Have you watched it yet? Not, no. Harrison Ford, Jason Siegel, hysterical, timely, relevant. Harrison Ford as like an 80-year-old dude is unbelievable like you have to go watch it okay all right i just wrote a drinking yeah i love it that's great awesome liz really appreciate your time um any plugs here at the end for uh for anything you're working on or anything you want people to check out uh no 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 big plugs i think you know i'm always interested in connecting with new folks and appreciate you having me on and chatting with me this is really fun yeah thanks liz and and for on our side, uh, plugs as always, quota path. Um, we actually just recently, about a month ago, launched a free trial component of our platform. So if you are interested in checking out quota path, commission tracking, free trial, get your team set up, integrate your CRM, calculate commissions, calculate quota attainment, especially with Q1 uh, coming to a close here, I'm sure a lot of folks are dreading the commission tracking process. Let's make it easier for you with a free trial. Um, Love it. That's all I have. Liz, really appreciate your time and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Liz. Bye.